1: If you would open up your Bibles, as a matter of fact, uh, find in your Bibles the book of Habakkuk. All right, it's in there, trust me. And some of you may not find it until I get to it. And I'm going to get to it a little bit later in the message. But find Habakkuk and just put a marker there, a pen, a finger, something, um, so that when I, I call it out in a little bit, you don't have to go through this process. All right, and then also turn over to Jeremiah. Chapter 33, and you probably know the verse that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, but uh, Jeremiah chapter 33. So uh, last week I, I talked about what to pray for, all right? And so, um, and, and really, uh, what I told us was that we need to be praying specifically. You know It's really easy for us to lift up generalized prayers, but I believe that our Father in Heaven, sovereign uh, ruler of the world, the creator of the universe, wants us to boldly be specific in our requests that we bring to Him. And so this week I want to talk about when to pray, and you probably figured out from that song um, that uh, it talks about when should we pray. All the time, all right, and so uh, I want to talk today about uh, praying persistently, and it reminds me of a little boy who uh, his parents had put him to bed, and, and so he calls out to his mama and said, Mama, would you, would you bring me a drink of water, and uh, mama said, uh, just be quiet and go to bed, you're already in there, um, don't bother me anymore, you're, you're there, leave me alone. And a few minutes later, the little boy calls out again to his mom. And so he does this about every five minutes for an hour long, right? Uh, Has anyone ever had children do something like that? Yes. And so um, this little boy keeps asking his mom. And so finally, and I know you all probably never said this, but finally the mom said, now if you ask me one more time, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to spank you. (laughs) And the little boy said, well, when you come in to spank me, bring me a drink of water. All right, you know, sometimes I believe that that's exactly the kind of persistency that God is looking for us when it comes to our prayer lives. In that, you know, we just keep asking and keep asking to the point where if it means getting a spanking, we're still going to uh, be able to uh, see God uh, answer and work in our lives. And then next week, I'm excited to share with you that I'm going to talk about the concept of how to pray. So, this is based off of a book from eighteen sixty by Charles Dickens called or titled "Great Expectations." Now remember, Great Expectations was a story of this young man named Philip Pirrip who had lost his uh, whole family, and so he was an orphan that was raised by his sister and throughout the story, the real the, the crux of the matter was that, as an orphan, an unknown benefactor came and, and sent him to schooling and took care of him and so Um, And he talked about the great expectations that that unknown benefactor had for him. Well, we are orphans as well, but we have a known benefactor if we want to get to know him. And he tells us in Jeremiah chapter 33 in the third verse, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. This is what our benefactor tells us. Us. If I were to, to subtitle this message, it would be Faith It Till You Make It. Now you've probably heard this saying and you've probably gotten through some uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays faking it until you make it. You know, just act like you're enjoying yourself, and at some point you'll probably enjoy yourself. Well, I'm convinced that God wants us to pray persistently, not because he's up there and he can't hear us. I'll show you differently but because there's things that he needs to change in our heart. And when he has that change, that's when he's ready to show those things that we we don't even comprehend. You know, here's one of our problems. Most of our prayers revolve around the things that we can do. Now think about this. We pray for things that we can do by ourselves in our own strength, In our own power and in our own lifetime. That's what we pray for. We think of something that is within reach, and oh, I could, God, I just need a little bit of help. I think about uh, a football analogy as football seasons uh, began uh, the last few weeks of. Taking the, getting the ball all the way down to the one-yard line, and then asking for God's help. All right, now, now God, you know, those 99 yards, I was, I was just fine. But you know what? If you would, just bless this and allow us to get to this one last yard so that we could score a touchdown. And what you'll find out is that as we pray, as we, we, we adopt this model of praying persistently, that what happens is we lose our, our focus on what we want, what we want to accomplish in our lifetimes, and then we adopt God's agenda. And see, when we adopt God's agenda, we'll find out that our ambition now is aligned with what God's agenda is for our lives. And when that happens, the thoughts that we, where we thought we were going to end up with that prayer, we wanted to score a touchdown at a high school football game, and God wants us to hit a grand slam when the Cardinals play the Cubs next time. All right, maybe maybe that's not what it was. But, you know, sometimes we settle for the little thing that we want in our own personal lives that we believe is the right thing, but we have no clue what God wants. You know, it was interesting as I preached last week about praying specifically. I'll bet a lot of you might have taken that the wrong way and started thinking, ooh, Ooh, Pastor Ronnie said, what I want to share with you is, yes, I absolutely believe that God wants us to pray specifically. But here's what I would tell you. Most of us don't know what we should be praying for. (laughs) All right, let's get over the, the hurdle of most of us aren't praying. And then when we do pray, we really don't know what we're praying for. But we try, we want to, and what we find out is that we're praying in our own strength and not God's. And what we should be doing is praying in God's strength. Because when we start praying in God's strength, he expands what can be accomplished. See, that's why in Jeremiah 33, he says, call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. What's the rest of it? That you don't even know. See, our problem is, we're on that football field, and we just want the touchdown. And God doesn't want us just to score a touchdown. He wants us to win the game. And we settle and we sell our souls for the touchdown. And sometimes the touchdown isn't what it takes to win the game. And one of our biggest problems are, is that when we go from what we want and what we want to accomplish, and we start adopting God's agenda in our life, you, we realize that we have to give up some control. Matter of fact, let me say this. We have to give up all of the control. See, that's what faith is all about. Hebrews tells us that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Could you imagine going into a court of law with some faith evidence? Now, now, now Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I know it's not here. But trust me, when I say, and that we give the evidence. Well, they would say that's hearsay. They would tell us that, that you know, the judge would throw that out. But the judge tells us that he's got a plan for us. He's got a plan for everybody sitting here this morning. He's got a plan for our church. And most of us are asking for the little thing. And God said, you don't understand. If I give you that, I can't give you what I really need you to receive. But you're going to have to give up some control. See, see, see you could do that by yourself. If I, if I never showed up, just a little sweat equity and you would probably accomplish what, what you're asking for right here. But what I want to do is so much greater than what you have ever thought. But you have to give up the control. So let me walk us through seven different verses. Now, now maybe verses isn't the right thing because I'm going to start off with a passage. But I want to go through seven different areas in the Bible that I believe back up what I'm telling us in that God wants us to pray persistently. He doesn't want us to stop. It doesn't stop with amen, Tony. It's just like breathing out and in. I don't know where I heard that before. Let us pray. In Luke chapter 11, I read this last week and I want to share it with you again. Starting in verse 5, it says, And he said to them, all right, so his disciples wanted Jesus to teach them how to pray. And so this is what Jesus' advice was. Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence. All right. Now the word impudence here means because he kept bugging him. Because he wouldn't go away. Because even if he said, no, you need to go down the street, go somewhere else, go to the store... But because he kept bugging him, he said, no, you don't understand. I need it right now from you. And he just stays there, and he keeps knocking on the door. And Jesus says this. He won't do it because he's friend, yet because of the impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, now, let's look at the next two verses in verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10 says this. And I tell you, ask... And it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened. For those of you who are looking in your note taker and you see right above the, the, the one of the note pieces says, ask, seek, and knock. What, a lot of times when we read this Bible verse, we don't understand what it's really saying. What it's really saying is, ask and keep on asking. A lot of times we ask. And then we're done. Well, you know, I have saw in the Bible, it said, you know, if God hears our prayer, he gives us the answer. A lot of times, we want to do it in our own power. We ask God, and, and God, please come in, take care of this, and let's say it has something to do with financial, and God doesn't answer us quickly enough or doesn't answer us at all, and so then we all of a sudden reach out to discover. And as Dave Ramsey says, the only thing you discover is that you're in debt. Well, sometimes we start off and we reach out to the master. And when he doesn't respond quickly enough, we rely on the master card. Jesus says, as he talked to his disciples, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. See, that's the persistence in prayer. And Jesus finishes up in verse 10. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so there's that neighbor. And yet, not because he's his friend, but because of this right here. God in heaven is waiting to hear this from you. And instead, this is what he gets. Well, they're not home. I'll be honest. I've been on visitation a time or two. And I remember one time specifically, I'm in Chicago. And I walk up to the door with another young guy. We knock on the door with authority. And then we are greeted by this bellowing bark. I mean, it was like from, I mean, it it, it sounded like the biggest dog I've ever heard. And then all of a sudden, it looked like somebody was standing in the window. And, and the guy's like elbowing. He's, they're, they're looking at us right outside the window. And then I noticed that person that was kind of behind the, the curtain, and he had ears. And I started praying immediately, God, please do not answer this door. And we left. We didn't even wait to see if somebody was in that house being woke up by the dog. You know, a lot of times we do that with our prayer life. And for whatever reason, we get scared and we leave. next passage I want to share with you is in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 11. What you don't know about 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 11 most likely is this. That David had just recovered the ark. Now, if you know anything about Bible history, the ark was where God's presence was dwelt. So wherever the ark was, there God was. And it was supposed to be maintained in the temple. Well, the temple had been destroyed. The ark had been carried off. And for the nation of Israel, they had one goal. And that was to get the ark back. Because the ark represented Yahweh God in their lives. And so they finally recovered it. And they brought it in. And then David found the best singers that they had. They were called the sons of Asaph. And he brought them and he said, write this music. And the next couple of verses in 1 Chronicles are this song that the nation of Israel would sing. And one verse in particular, in verse 11, David tells us to seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually if, if uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman would have been alive when David was king, he would have probably been writing, let us pray, right there, as part of this psalm. And so, here the nation of Israel are told to seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. What's interesting is, it's after God has answered the request. Why? Has anyone ever had God answer a request? Yeah. Has anyone ever had, after he answered a request, not answer a request? It would go up so quick. David knew that. And so he said, look, the whole nation needs to know this song." And then if we turn over to Psalm 105, we see the exact same verse. Psalm 105, verse 4. And it says this, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence. Continually. If you read the entire Psalm, it's actually what was there in First Chronicles 16, word for word. And what's interesting, if you if you do biblical research and you, you do research on Psalm 105, they'll say unknown author. Here's what happened. When they recovered the Ark of the Covenant, David knew that this needed to be a reminder, that the Ark was gone, lost, stolen carried away, and they had prayed, they had sought, they had asked the Lord to bring it back. They had sought his face and where they could find it. They had knocked on the doors of heaven, and God answered that. But he knew that there was going to be a time when the the children of Israel would be in an area where they thought that God wasn't there with them. And he wanted to remind them, seek the Lord in his strength. Not in your strength, seek the Lord in His strength. Because when we start doing it in His strength, we get more than just the Ark of the Covenant. We get to build the temple and seek His presence continually. The next verse I want to share with you is Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. Now, you could either be using your, your Bible, You could use your iPad, or if you want, you look up at the screen, you can use your eyeballs. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2 says this, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. I know some of you probably feel like you're in the wilderness, and you're nowhere near the 40-year mark. But here's what God shares with us in Deuteronomy. Just like he told the children of Israel, I was with you. I led you the whole time. But really what I'm concerned about is your heart. Are you still wanting to score the touchdown for your own needs? Or are you ready to go to what is that greater plan? Because when the children of Israel prayed to get out of the land of Egypt, all they wanted was to not be a slave. Is that what God wanted was the children of Israel just to not be slaves? No. What he wanted was someone to represent his kingdom here on earth. much more than just not being slaves. Because through this kingdom would come his son that would pay the ultimate price for all of humanity. If you would turn over to the next passage in Zechariah, chapter 13 and verse 9. It says this, And I will put this third into the fire. Well, what happened to the other two thirds? They were killed. They were destroyed. Good news, you have not been killed. You have not been destroyed yet. And I believe this is the message that the sovereign God of the universe wants you to understand. He wants to refine you as one refines silver. He wants to test you as gold is tested. And he he knows this. He knows that you will call on his name. And he says he will answer. Look. And then he he closes with this. These are my people. And they will say this is my God. You know what? God's greatest desire. This is repeated more times than any other passage in scripture. And that is. That God desires for us to acknowledge that the Lord is my God. All right, that's a lot of Old Testament. Maybe that, you know, you're thinking, that doesn't apply to me. Let me show you it does. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, those two words are very distinct. Because the word pray means to ask. So with all asking... And supplication. Supplication means to ask on someone else's behalf. Here's what's been happening all week. All week long, I've been going to the Lord in prayer and supplication. I've been praying for a lot of names on this. Matter of fact, I've been praying for every name on this board. Now, you know what? I don't know exactly what's behind the name. Why exactly they're on that board. But guess who does? He does. And so I just dump that. I say, Lord, I don't know why, but Lord, you do. Would you answer the specific reason the name's on the board? He wants us to pray at all times with all prayer and supplication. And if that's not good enough, it says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, with all persistence. Making supplication for all the saints. Here's what you're going to find out the more you pray, the less you pray about yourself. You'll get tired of it. I mean, you'll sound like the me monster when you start praying. If if you prayed out loud and you recorded it and you went back and counted the number of eyes, you'd be impressed. And then as you learn to continually pray, at some point, your heart starts changing. And at some point, your desire starts lining up with God's agenda for your life. And at some point, you start realizing, you know what? It's not all about you. And then you start thinking about that person sitting beside you in the pew. Then you start thinking about that person you wish was sitting beside you in the pew. And then all of a sudden your prayers change from praying about me, my problems, and everything that is in between, and you start praying for your family. You start praying for your children. You start praying for your parents. You start praying for the person that was in Sunday school class with you that shared a concern and a need. You start praying for... And then we as a church... Continue to pray with all prayer and supplication. That is what's going to transform the city of Centralia. In the last passage, I asked you to find Habakkuk. I hope you did. If you didn't, I'm going there anyways. You're just going to have to use your eyeball. In Habakkuk chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. And it says, I will take my stand at the watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see... What he will say to me. Now, I know you probably go through the Bible sometimes and you see the pronoun he that's referring to God and it's not capitalized. uh, It's something that they they chose as they were writing. This he here is God. Habakkuk, and I'm glad I didn't get named that, but Habakkuk says, I'm going to take my watch and I'm going to hear what the Lord has to say about my complaints. Has anyone ever come on? Let's just be honest. Has anyone ever brought some complaints to the Lord? I have this week, Lord. But well, I won't tell you what they were. It's pretty bold of Habakkuk. But what he's trying to tell us is Habakkuk's not the only person who's brought his complaints to the Lord. And the Lord answered. And the Lord answered me and said, "Write the vision." Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Do you want to know? I mean, most of you are probably asking, why in the world is there a big old chalkboard up there? It's because when I'm running laps here in the auditorium, I could still see those prayer requests. And then when I'm not here, I took a picture of that and I just magnify it and I go through each name. And then just in case I missed them, I do it again. Because Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2 says this, the Lord said and answered to him, write the vision. Now, most of you are probably saying, Ronnie, um, my name's not in the Bible, and I haven't had a vision from the Lord. Well, let me tell you what a a, a verse in Psalm, keep, keep your finger in Habakkuk, I'm not done. But in Psalm 37, 4, it says this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you. The desires of your heart. Now I got it. You just you you sell that's it. Delight in the Lord, and He'll give me the Camaro, He'll give me the Lamborghini, He'll give me the Cadillac. But you missed it. That's not what he says. He says, Delight in me, and I will give you. I will change the desires. Instead of wanting to win the high school football game. I'm going to help you hit the grand slam in the World Series. Let's go back to Habakkuk. Verse 3 says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to its end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. See, here's the problem. Most of us don't have faith that God said what he said in Scripture. And that is, if I hear your prayer, I'll answer it. You don't have enough faith to believe that. And because of that, all you do is get on your watch post and complain. And you spend all your time complaining, and you never stop complaining to hear what God says you never stop complaining to hear what the desire that god has put in your heart for where he's leading you and then verse four this is i don't know if you're ever uh, familiar with english but it's called a parenthetical statement you could take it out and it means nothing with the rest of what's there but in verse four it says behold his soul is puffed up now wait a second Habakkuk's talking about, I'm gonna get on my watch post and I'm gonna to complain to the Lord. And then the Lord says, wait a second, Habakkuk, you don't understand. I've told you this is what's gonna happen. And then he finishes it with this parenthetical statement Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. What's your watch post? Where does God need you to serve in our church? Where does God need you to serve in your family? Where does God need you? Where are you supposed to be? At least Habakkuk went there and complained. Some of us don't even take up our watch. We just complain. And here's what the parenthetical statement means to you. That your soul is puffed up. It's not upright within you, and nothing's going to happen. He says, but the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous, even though they don't see, they don't know where God's going to answer that, where he's going to deliver, where he's going to give them that desire that's been put to their heart, but he's going to do it. Here's the reality. God wants you to pray persistently. God wants you to pray persistently so that he can change our hearts. Because if we just do the one prayer and done, nothing changes. We forget, we forget about what we ask for. But when we pray continually, earnestly, time and time again, for all things and all people, he changes our heart. And when he changes our heart, we join God's agenda. See, when we don't get ourselves out of the way. God starts doing that, and that hurts. It's not easy. And when he changes our hearts so that we line up with his agenda, he can show us what he said in Jeremiah 33.3, 3, the great and mighty things. Now, um, I don't know if you remember, but last week I shared with you four answers that God provides. All right? All right they rhyme no grow slow and go let me break them down one more time no in james chapter uh, 4 it says this you ask and you do not receive because you ask to spend it on your passions and then he doesn't mince words he says you adulterous people You know, the problem is that we come to church, we call ourselves Christians, and yet every word out of our mouth to God is for us. And yet the very thing that Christ did was laid down his life for everyone else. And the problem is, in James, when he says no, we want to feel the ease when God himself wants to heal the disease. We want the quick and easy answer so that God gives us our little touchdown. And what really God wants to do is change our lives. He wants to reach in and he wants to take out something that is going to ultimately destroy us. Or may be God to say and grow. I shared with you 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout Centralia. Looking, uh, it's a different version than what's up there, looking for those whose heart is completely, wholeheartedly devoted to him. Kind of what he said in Habakkuk 2 verse 4, upright, righteous. And, and, and this verse is being told to King Asa, who was a king that, that was doing great things for God, but he got to a point where after God had done mighty things, and he knew that God would come and answer and help. But he said, you know what? I'm going to Discover this time. I'm going to MasterCard this time. I'm going to go and call Uncle So-and-So this time. Thank you, Jesus. I don't need you. You can sit this one out. I got it. And he's told, because you did that, you're going to have wars the rest of your kingdom. What decisions are we making where we throw God out of our lives? That God, if he sent a prophet to our home, he would tell us something similar? Because you've done that. You knew better. But because you've done that. And the question you need to ask yourself when God... Wants us to grow is do I trust my feelings or do I trust my father? See, so your feelings are what are going to get us in trouble. When we, got, we want God to make it easy, er. But will we trust our father? How how many times, I know this happened to me with my sons. Where they've came and they've asked for something. And I knew that that wasn't the right thing. It wasn't the right thing. It wasn't the right time. And so I said, no, not now. This happened to me. Me. I'm a little eight-year-old or seven-year-old. I don't know. My mom's taking me to the dentist. And I didn't have good experiences with the dentist. And so literally what would happen is as I would walk into a dentist office, like four people would grab me and hold me down and put gas on me because, I mean, I was a terror. And my mom was pleading with me as we're going to the dentist. I know what's about to happen. She knows what's about to happen. And they're getting body armor on, getting ready for what's about to happen. And my mom said... If you'll just be good, after we're done, I'll take you to the toy store and let you get anything you want. And I said, not good enough. (laughs) I wanted it now. And I made my mom take me to a toy store before we went. And we were rushed because we had to be at the dentist appointment, right? She left me in the car. Ran in. I know you're not supposed to do that. She did. This is in the 70s. You're allowed to do that then. She runs in and gets a toy, comes out, tosses it in the back, and then we're driving. Was I happy with that toy? No, I wasn't. But so many times we do this to God. God says, just wait. What I put in your heart is going to happen. What I've shared with you, it's as big as you think and even Bigger. But just wait. I, I know you want to do it right now. I know you want the answer right now. And we say, not good enough, God. I got this. And then we're left with something we'll never be satisfied with. Maybe he's not saying that you need to grow. Maybe you're right where you need to be. But God is telling you slow. Just like he told Daniel. Daniel. You know, when I read this passage in Daniel, I get excited when I see from the very first day. And I believe that the same God who was answering Daniel from the very first day has answered you from the very first day. But unlike Daniel, you don't continue to pray. And you forget about it. And you say, God, I got this. And you take over. And you never wait for the messenger. I don't know if it's 21 days, 21 months, or 21 years. But here's what I can tell you. Is that when it's not in God's timing, you cannot force it. Or he may say go. And when he says go in Ephesians 3, I share this with you. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. That's the New Testament version of Jeremiah 33.3. 3. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. See, here's what God wants. We've come to him with a, 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 a Christmas list of prayer requests. And God said, you know what? I, I could give you that tomorrow. But that's not what I need for you. I got something so much bigger than that list. I've got a whole book full of the things that I'm going to deliver. The impact that you're going to have. And all you want is this? He says, the power that is in you because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross? Oh. And here's the reality. When it is in God's timing, there's nothing anyone on earth can do to stop it. But we got to wait. And while we wait, we got to pray persistently. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. The musicians would come forward and, and they're going to sing that song one more time. Now what I want to do is ask you, what is God's agenda in your life and, is, and what is he waiting on for you? You probably figured this out. God is ready to respond. God, from the very first day. But most, most likely, he's working on us. What is he working on in you? And are you willing? Do you trust God? Will you give up the control and trust God to change? Do, will you believe him when he says in Psalm 37, 4, delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. Or are you wondering? Putting God to the side, or maybe, maybe the you're here today and you've never prayed the most important prayer you could ever pray, and that is to ask the sovereign God who sent His only begotten Son, who came and lived on this earth, lived a perfect life, and then was crucified on a cross and three days later rose again. Maybe you need to pray and ask for that Jesus to be the Savior of your life. Because without that, everything else is meaningless.
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.